I'd like for you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I might say as an appendage to the business meeting that our finance committee is presently working on the church budget for 1977 and other recommendations concerning the church and the ministry and the service of the work here. Pray much for this committee and for God's will to be done. Additional recommendations will be brought to the church in uh, subsequent weeks concerning the outreach and the, the work and the needs here. And please be much in prayer concerning these matters. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Tonight I want to read verses 6 through 9. May we pray a moment. Every head bowed. Our Father, we thank you for what you have done for the precious spirit of unanimity, for the way your people work together and serve together and love together and live to, to bring honor and glory to Jesus. We pray now that the word of God will become alive and sharp and real to us. Give us a longing in our hearts for Jesus, a longing to see revival, people saved. We pray in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> You recognize this as the chapter from which we have been studying for several weeks and will be probably for several more weeks. Now I want to lay on our hearts these verses, beginning with verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. And even things without life giving sound, whether flute or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. The main business of the church that Jesus built was giving a certain sound so that people could hear the word of God, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved, and in turn, those who were evangelized could become flaming evangelists in the hand of God. And the whole thrust of chapter 14 is... If the instrument give an uncertain sound, how will the people understand? And the illustration is used of a man who blows a trumpet or an instrument for war. And he doesn't give a certain sound. He gives rather an uncertain sound so that the people do not know what that trumpet sound means. And so they just keep on twiddling their thumbs and playing around, not knowing what they're being called to do. The Holy Spirit writing through Paul says, what believers need to concentrate on is being right on key, right on pitch. We need people with high fidelity to the original tone. 
We sometimes talk about high fives. Now it's record players and so on, eight tracks. But the term high five actually means a record or sound equipment that is highly faithful to the original sound. You secure a record that's a hi-fi or a record player that's a hi-fi. And, and what that really means is that there is high fidelity in performance in regard or in comparison to the original tone. For instance, a symphony concert that's playing Mendelssohn or Beethoven or one of the great artists. And you take some simple little tape recorder over there and play it, plug it in, and, and you record it. The untutored ear will say, isn't that beautiful? Oh, that's wonderful. But the educated ears, like, like some of these music majors in this place tonight, you hear that little old cheap tape recorder playing back that wonderful symphony concert, and you say, well, there's something wrong with that. That doesn't sound very good. Most, many of us couldn't tell the difference, but you'd know the difference because it wouldn't be highly faithful to the original tone. Now that's the way a lot of us are in regard to the original tone of Jesus. If we've had an experience with Jesus Christ, we know him as our personal savior, then our life performance and our life contact and our conduct and our behavior and the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart need to be highly faithful to the original tone, Jesus. And that's the way people get convicted for sin and get saved. When you and I are faithful to what Christ has said to us in his book. You have built temples in his name of mortar and brick and stone, with windows of glass so beautifully stained, with tower and spire and dome. But what do we of the byways care for structure and line and trim? Out in the dust of the lonely road, we only ask for him. You've robed your choir and trained them well in proper and intricate song. You've bought fine organs to edify and lull the weary throng. But what do we care for your black-robed choir or your organs deep? Amen. We want you to walk beside us here and point the way to him. Oh, the paths of the world are a crooked maze, and we are woefully lost. For the road to him and the paths of men is strained and hidden and crossed. What do we care for the trappings of art when our heart's high hope is dim? We seek the touch of his healing hand. Isn't there somebody who will show us the way to him? That's what we need. We need men and women and boys and girls and teenagers and folks that have really had an experience with Jesus Christ who take so seriously what Christ has done in their lives and what he means to us that we go out highly faithful to that tone that has come to our hearts, the tone that has brought salvation, the tone Jesus saves. And we don't need to give an uncertain sound. We just need to be right on the mark. We don't need all the excess luggage. 
We need an arrow that will go directly to people's hearts. And that's what we pray will happen as a result of this revival meeting in the next few days. That you and I will become sharpened in our commitment to Christ. That we become true in our tone of faithfulness for Him. And that whatever we say, whatever we do, in word or deed, will be done to the glory of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is saying, Tongues, that's our need. But what we really need is to make the gospel so clear, so clear that a person who has no ghost of an idea or notion whatsoever what all those extra excess things mean, that person can come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ because of what you and I say and what we do in the lives we live. That's it. When we go to the university, let's go with one message. Jesus saves. When we go to the factory, when we go to the school, wherever we go, let's go with that one message that Jesus saves. Not an academic message. Not something that says, hey, did you know that theoretically and theologically, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he will save you and it doesn't make any difference what you, how you live. It's detached from your life. Oh, no. But let's go and present to the world a picture, an incarnation of the truth that Jesus saves because he saved me, saved you. And he changed our way of living. He changed our way of thinking. He didn't give us so much that we have to applaud all the time or we have to shout all the time, even though those things have their place. He didn't give us so much that we have to speak in some ecstatic language that others cannot understand, though perhaps for some they must have that. But I want to say, we need to so present the glorious gospel in words that are easy to be understood. In a life and manner of, of life that can be easily comprehended by the people. So that they'll say, that's what I need. I've been looking for it all my life. That's what I need. I need what that guy's got, what that woman's got, what that teenager's got. I need that. Sometimes faith is caught rather than taught. It is contagious. And when a man is filled with faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he goes out with love. He goes out with a life. Not that it's proud. Not that it's so filled with self that all people see is us. But a life that is so selfless. So yielded. So giving. That the hand that holds the message is scarcely seen. And the people see Jesus. That's what we want. And that's what 1 Corinthians 14 is trying to tell us. That's what my prayer is for this revival. Let's bow together in prayer, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> if you're here tonight and you do not know the Savior, the Lord, wouldn't you trust Him tonight? Wouldn't you just come and say, Lord, here's my life. I yield it to Thee. I want Christ. Even in the business transactions tonight, I've felt that these people knew something and knew somebody that I needed to know.
I want that somebody they have. I want Jesus. Oh, won't you open your heart to him? And if you're already saved and God wants you in this church, wouldn't you come tonight and say, I put my life on the line. I want to serve God. And friend, if there's any way God's Holy Spirit has spoken to you tonight, do what he tells you to do. Would you, for Jesus' sake? Our Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in God's house tonight. Guide us in these next moments. May somebody here who has never been saved come to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. I want to ask you to do this. God has spoken to your heart. If the Holy Spirit has nudged you, has touched your heart, has pierced your soul, and you feel like God has told you to do something, I want to ask you to do it now. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't say, well, I think if, I'll, if they'll sing six stanzas, I'll come later. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, come right now. Just do what God tells you to do. Every one of us in this auditorium, can we just say, Lord, have thy way. Have thy way. Use me in revival. Use me as part of God's, what God wants to do in this city. Will you pray that? And any way the Lord has impressed your heart that you ought to come publicly making a statement of your faith or a rededication or a prayer for more power, whatever, you do what God tells you to do. I believe there's somebody here that really has felt God's tug at your heart a long time. You haven't done what God told you to do. You ought to do it right now. Now is the hour. Now is the accepted time. You ought to do it now. It may be coming to the fellowship of this church. It may be confessing Jesus as your Savior. He's already been your Savior, but you've never confessed Him. It may be trusting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It may be coming to put your life on the line and say, God has called me into His service and I want to surrender to it. Now you do what God tells you to do. While we begin to sing, we'll step out first for the king.